Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. It's uh, great to be here. It's great, isn't it, to be in the Christmas season or the Advent season. Advent basically means coming. It's arrival. It's the, the opportunity for us to focus and grow and develop towards the Christmas time. And the church has done it for a couple of thousand years, and especially for those four Sundays in the lead up where we talk about hope and peace and joy and ultimately love. It's a, an invitation, I think, for us to travel, to, to journey towards, and I guess the, the end destination is for us to arrive at a moment of knowing God as one of us. And it's not like that's on Christmas morning or our Christmas Eve service, but it's a journey of December, we could more or less say, where we open ourselves up to that. And so our focus this year is on some of the voices of those who were at this, what is a cosmic turning point. We call it um, uh, the incarnation. Um, it's when God became human. And we, we know some of the voices so well. They're in our carols, they're in our Christmas cards, they're even in our shopping malls, some of those voices. And some of the voices are very distant, very, you know, kind of faded into the background, but they're all there. And, and so they take a little bit of listening to, and if we would listen, sometimes we would hear something and know something a little more. And so you have angels and kings and seers and prophets and priests and peasants and shepherds and, and, and men, women, and children who are part of that, all there for a reason. So last week, Fran started with John the Baptist. Um, today, I'm speaking um, on Mary um, this morning, and then we go right through to Christmas Eve where, as Tim said, we're meeting at five and seven, one-hour services, heavy on the carols, wonderful to invite people to. Do come along and be part of that. And all the time, trying to listen and discover or perhaps rediscover something of the voices of the story that will lead us towards Jesus. So as I say, this morning I'm going to speak about Mary. Tonight I'm speaking again, and I'm going to be talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Um, next week, the, the focus is on Rachel and Herod um, in the morning, and then at night on Anna and Simeon. So those might be slightly lesser known voices, and the idea is over the eight messages that we have from last week through to Christmas Eve, is that we would hear together a collective. And so it's unlikely that anybody virtually will be here for every single one of those, but on our website you can listen. You can read the stories in Matthew and Luke, and it's just worth, I think, um, embracing something of Advent and something of Christmas that we may be able to, I don't know, experience and walk towards in some way. And so I... To, I, want you to, I want to introduce you to Mary. Mary is, uh, has become one of my favorite uh, Bible characters. I have a real soft spot for her. Mary's a bit like this for me. Mary is a bit like um, uh, the girl at school or the, the woman in the office who's always over the far side of the office and you kind of feel a little bit guilty because you've never really talked to her, and she is perhaps slightly mysterious, slightly, um, you know, you're not quite sure who she is or where she comes from. You're not quite sure whether you should say hi, and it's been 
too long now just to go up and say, hey, I'm Vic, um, what's your name? Because it's like you should have had that conversation already. For me, Mary's a bit like that sort of character. And yet, if you were to walk towards her and get to know her, you would realize that maybe some of your prejudices or assumptions have been misplaced along the way, and that she herself has perhaps been misunderstood, and that she's actually a fascinating and deep person, and that, and that she knows stuff that you'll never know, and she's been places that you've never been, and there are, there are depths and there are ideas that could come out if you could get into a relationship with her. If only you would spend time, your life would be richer. That's how a little bit of I feel about my journey with Mary. And it's the Mary that I hope to introduce you to, at least a little bit today. Mary comes from, with baggage, of course. Baggage not that she put on herself, but baggage that we've put on her. For a start, she's a woman. And so, you know, women's voices tend to have been muted, you know, kind of even in our um, preaching of the Christmas story and, and other aspects of Scripture. And so, so there's been a muting of it. Mary's kind of got baggage too because she's a Catholic saint. And so in the context of that sort of, you know, churches perhaps of the more Protestant tradition has sort of, you know, been a little bit wary as if, you know, kind of in that process there was something wrong with her as opposed to something wrong with, you know, maybe a veneration if indeed that is what takes the place. And I actually wonder whether Mary too is almost treated like an object because she, she just provided the body which housed Jesus housed our Lord and Saviour. And I wonder if we've kind of, you know, she's almost been, I don't know, a throwaway in the whole story because the real thing was Jesus being born, you know, Jesus arriving. And so as we talk about Mary, I hope that we're able to actually lift her a little from some of those, I don't know, prejudices perhaps that maybe you have, maybe you don't have, um, and uh, meet her in a different way. And so let's read Luke. So in Matthew, if you read that as the Christmas story, it focuses more on Joseph. And Luke, it focuses more on Mary. And see if we can hear her voice. See if we can listen for her voice and see whether it will say anything to us today. So reading uh, in two sections, quite a long passage today of uh, Luke chapter 1, 26 to 56. It's from the message. And it goes like this. In the sixth month, month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what it was, what was behind a greeting like that. And obviously, angels arriving are a shaking experience. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. I mean, if you kind of because it's, it's sort of so much part of the law of L-O-R-E, of, of kind of, you know, Christendom and stuff like that, it's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, that, you know, kind of move on, move on, move on. It's like, I mean, this is a big deal, isn't it? Just a Mary, this angel arriving and announcing this thing. He will be great, Gabriel says. This could be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. And Mary said to the angel, so highlighting here, because we're listening to her voice, but how? I've never slept with a man. Man, it's sort of such a it's such a, a question of overwhelm, isn't it? It's like, man, 
I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to take this all in and it doesn't kind of make sense at the moment. The angel answered, The power of the highest will hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son old as she is? Everyone called her barren, and here she is six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. And Mary said, Yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. And then the angel left her. And we'll come back to the story and read the rest of it in a little while. Um, but the angel's left and, and we've got Mary there. When I look across the classroom at Mary or across the, you know, kind of the crowded office at Mary to this Mary that I don't know or that I would like to know a little bit more, I, I, I no longer see sort of somebody who sort of just fades into somewhat of an anonymity, you know, kind of a, an optional extra sort of person. But I see some of these things in Mary. I see a person, I see a question, I see an answer, I see a declaration, I see a truth, and I see a faithfulness. And I want to kind of explore those a little bit today out of the story of Mary. I think it's her voice to me. I, firstly, I see a person. Mary is a, a person. She's not, she's not flat on the page of the Bible. She's a a living human being, maybe only 13, 14, 15, 16. We don't really know, but we do know that she's very young. She's a girl. She is that young. She's a peasant. She's no religious rank. Her cousin Elizabeth is a, a daughter of Aaron from the priestly line. But Mary has no religious rank, no social status, no tribal lineage. She is kind of just like you and me, in a sense. And that's something I have grown to love about her. She has no seeming special worth or qualification for God to have chosen her. And so in herself, she epitomizes something that we see repeatedly again and again in the gospel, which could be, could be uh, I don't know, uh, um, water in a thirsty place for us, of weakness triumphing over strength, of foolishness, uh, being surpassing wisdom, of the last becoming first, of the lowly instead of the powerful, of the, the poor over the rich, of the sinner over the righteous, in this case of the woman over the man. There's something about the turning of the upside down nature of this. Mary is part of God's counterintuitive way of disarming us in order to bring us closer to himself. I see a person when I see Mary. I also see a question. I love the fact that she asks this question. You know, but how? How's that going to be? I think actually her voice might have gone up like that. It's like, you know, kind of as she swallowed. But how? You know, kind of that, that can't be the case. I love this because it's like, it just makes her just like me. It makes her just like me and all the questions that I have and all of the things that are settled and maybe unsettled. In my journey, which is one of the richnesses of my journey of the last couple of years, is the permission that I've given myself to sit with questions instead of having to fiendishly find answers to them. And I love the fact that Mary introduces a question. In Luke 2.19, there's this other really lovely little Mary scripture. So Jesus is born by now. He's had the visit of the angels, the visit of the shepherds. There's all of the commotion, the wise men, the presents, the gifts, and all of these sorts of things that happen. And it's like this, this, just this little takeaway of Mary. And it says, and Mary, um, what is she, she, she treasured these things. What is it? She uh, treasures these things in her heart. It's like sort of as this person who's beginning to see 
what God's doing, and yet it still seems like to me she still doesn't know the whole, you know, kind of the, the whole end of the story. She treasures these things in her heart. This is Mary, the answer, the asker of her questions, and questions are a beautiful thing. But she has an answer, and this is something that I love about her too, and her answer is yes. You know, I sometimes talk about a, a four pillars or, you know, four corners in a sense that I've tried to build my Christian life on for, you know, decade after decade. One of those four pillars has always been, yes, I just want to be a person who says yes to God. When God invites, when God calls, when God nudges, I want to be a person. And I'm inspired by Mary because in a situation where she may not have said yes, she said yes. And we might think that she had to say yes. Well, she didn't have any choice, did she? You know, kind of the angel arrives, what else could she do? But she was actually fully free to say no, and yet she said yes. It's interesting that at this time when the angel arrives, there's no men present. So in the context of the time, um, you know, uh, women wouldn't be able to decide so much of things for themselves. And yet God makes space for her to decide for herself, and her answer is yes to the things of God. The fulfillment of the promises of God in this moment as we read them hinge on the decision of a young peasant girl in lower sort of strata of society in a patriarchal system to make a decision. And her decision is, yes, the theologian Anna Maria Bedegain says of Mary's decision, it's not a a passive self-denying, yes, but a free act of self-bestowal for the purpose of creating a new world. You have Mary here who's creating something brand new and introducing us and inviting us towards uh, a new encounter with a loving and living God, which makes me just want to know some more about her. But we could end it there. We, we could sort of decide, you know, we could, we could know that she gives birth in, in, in Luke chapter 2, and then we could end it. We could let her drift off into anonymity. But there's more to unfold yet in this Advent, in this Christmas story. And so in verse 39 of uh, Luke chapter 1, it says, Mary didn't waste a minute. She got up and traveled to a town in Judah in the hill country straight to Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and sang out exuberantly. And I'm going to be talking about the, the song of Elizabeth as part of my message tonight, so I won't read it, but you know, come along or, or listen, listen to the podcast as part of our Advent process. But down in verse 46, Mary comes, and here you begin to hear her voice, really hear her voice. She begins to flourish as we see it. It's called the Magnificat. We often, you know, kind of skip through to get to chapter 2, but it's worth at least for today, just lingering at the end of chapter 1. And she says, I'm bursting with God news. Thank you, Eugene Peterson, and the message. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. You know, this is kind of in the continuation of this announcement. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. It it, it it, uh, draws her, not drives her, it, it brings her to a place of worship. And then it changes. She says, his mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. You're seeing Mary become a prophetic figure at the moment. She's, she's starting to declare the purposes of God. Um, he knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. 
He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered them and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. And I see in Mary, in the Magnificat, in this um, beautiful song, a beautiful statement, a declaration. It's the longest address by a woman in the whole of Scripture. It's worth listening to. It's a, it's a hymn or a poem sung or read in many churches, but not often in ours. And in it, we get to hear her real voice. We get to hear her come alive. And she becomes like a prophet in the, in the, in the uh, sporadic, but nevertheless noble line of some of the female Old Testament um, prophetic voices like Miriam and Deborah and Hannah, and you can add to that Mary. And you see Mary, and she's saying, you know, God is saying no to oppression, you know, in this wonderful thing that's happened. God is saying no to injustice in this wonderful thing that is happening. God is saying no to poverty in this wonderful thing that is happening, and I'm going to be part of it, and he's calling me through, and he's calling me forward in that. And she's announcing then the mercies of God, you know, God and His great mercy is arriving. She's announcing the yes of being chosen by God and introduced to God. And in this, I can't help but feel it's like this Mary would be just such a great 21st century woman, great, such a great 21st century figure. And yet, and not yet, her voice can be heard and, and can be embraced and can be called forward in the things that we're doing. I love the declaration of Mary. And then there's a truth. There's a truth that comes through. And so in kind of the, the you know, the, the annals of church history, there, was a, there, were, there were seven councils that were held, you know, in the 300s, 400s, and 500s. That's where we get our scriptures. That's where we get our creeds. In the, 400, in the third council in Ephesus in 431, the, the bishops and, the, and the, the high-ranking officials came together in Ephesus and they declared Mary Theotokos, which means God-bearer, which is an important thing for them to establish. It was at the same council that they affirmed the Nicene Creed, which is the basis of so much of our theology. And they, and they denounced the heresies of Pelagianism and Nestorianism, which is kind of a whole other story. But it was, it was a significant thing that took place among sort of the, the leaders of the church at the time. And so they affirm Mary as the bearer of God. And this takes us away from this, she's just a disposable sort of sense of, you know, kind of a, a, a body in which God can do the things that he wants to do. And so Mary becomes the dwelling place of the presence of God. You know, Mary, in a very real way, becomes the Holy of Holies. She becomes the Ark of the Covenant. And she introduces us to this, idea of, of Jesus being resident within us. And we get that kind of, you know, when we get to um, the book of Acts and, and, and Jesus' promise that when I go, the Holy Spirit, that we'll invite the Spirit of God and Jesus indeed will live with us. And Mary is guiding us and leading us and she offers us and enters us into something of the truth of that. The poet John Donne said beautifully, Thou hast light and dark and shuttest in little room immensity cloistered in thy dear womb. And there's an immensity that's taking place within this incredible person who said yes to God and having a sense of the experience of God, which invites us to step into the story through the example of Mary, through the voice of Mary. Can you hear the voice of Mary 
calling us to, to embrace this Spirit of God with us, this Emmanuel, God with us at Christmas and Advent, the Spirit of God coming into our life and being represented in our life. And so we bear in ourselves some of that immensity, some of that wonder and awe of who God is. This is the journey that we can make as we walk towards Christmas. And so I think of myself, you know, in myself, in my demeanor, in my yes and no, in my warmth or my coldness perhaps, in my responses to the opportunities that God puts ahead of me, in the the weariness that I might feel in my body at the end of the year or or the lines on my face through, you know, kind of, you know, kind of living decade after decade in my experiences, in my um, successes and in my failures. All of those things stamp the intervention of God in my life and I welcome it and Mary inspires me to embrace it. And so Mary has this baby, this little adorable Jesus, you know, and I think, you know, we've got lots of babies in our church at the moment. And so I, th- I think probably the newest ones who are here at the moment is Lottie and Erica down the back there. So it's like, you know, kind of they're going to come and serve us communion soon, um, Lottie and Erica, and maybe we'll take their parents as well somewhere along the way. Um, and when you think about it, when you come and have communion, it's like I think it's worth looking into the eyes of a baby and just thinking, you know, Jesus was like them just like them, small, nurtured, and love. And just as uh, Caleb and Joanna and Caitlin and Andrew kind of look on their beautiful little girls and they look down and see something of not only themselves but something of the image of God, Mary, Mary, Mary was able to look down not only something of herself, which is important in this context, but, but look down on the face of God, you know, kind of this idea of Mary as a mother looking down and crying tears that dripped onto the little fat cheeks of God himself is something I think that's deeply attractive and deeply uh, awe-inspiring in this Advent season. So there's a truth that she has. And then finally, as we come towards a communion, one of the things I love about Mary is that there's a faithfulness there. You know, Mary um, continues to be just, there's hints of Mary and two or three actual mentions of Mary that come right through in the gospel. Mary didn't fade out at all. Mary raised Jesus. Mary uh, watched over Jesus. Mary kept Jesus safe. And Mary was there right to the end and right at the end. There she was at the cross when his disciples weren't, when many other people who perhaps you might have expected to be there weren't. And there's a faithfulness in this woman that can call us and that who can draw us near. And so as we, in our Advent journey, walk towards, I don't know, having an encounter or knowing God with us in a new and wonderful way, I present to you Mary, somebody who is a person, not just a name on a page, who is a a question for us to explore, who has an answer which might inspire us, a declaration, a truth, and very much a faithfulness. 
Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast. Thank you.